Do you know where your hummus is? This time on Culture File, the global history of the world's favourite dip. Harriet Nussbaum is a Hebrew and Arabic scholar and food writer. Her studies and travels in the Middle East and the Levant brought her into contact with the long and intricate history of hummus, from its early Christian roots to the 40 shades of hummus, now taking up space in supermarkets around the globe. She's brought her research together in a new book, Hummus, a Global History, and she talked to Culture File about the beige gold, beginning, as we must, with her own encounters with the Ur hummus. One that really stands out for me is uh, a Lebanese restaurant that I used to go to in Cairo, when I was living in Cairo, in the area of Garden City, that had really, really fantastic hummus. And that was, that restaurant was one of my culinary highlights of living in Egypt. And um, I often think of how delicious their hummus and their other dishes were. So that's the one that stands out for me. I think it was just for me what a perfect hummus is, which is very smooth, creamy, quite lemony, but not too garlicky. That's how I, that's my perfect hummus anyway, with a little bit less garlic and uh, yeah, very smooth. I started off studying Arabic and Hebrew um, as an undergraduate and became very interested in um, the history of the Near and Middle East and also in the food. Gradually those two worlds started to combine for me, focusing on food in the time of Jesus and the area where Jesus was living. One of the things that you point out in the in the spread of hummus was the the way it sort of sidestepped the food restrictions of lots of different religions. Yeah, that's right, exactly, because it's a food that's made from entirely um, vegan ingredients. Let's say you've just got chickpeas, tahini, lemon and garlic. It's something that everyone can eat in the region, regardless of any religious um, dietary restrictions. There's even a theory that the food historian Charles Perry put forward that the earliest kind of combinations of chickpeas and tahini may have come about by... Christian cooks who were looking to replace meat during their Lenten fast and therefore added tahini to chickpeas instead of adding it to meat as they would ordinarily have done. So tahini would have been used perhaps as a as a sauce for meat, as a, as a way of flavouring it. So perhaps not cooked together, but once the meat had been cooked, it might have been used as a sauce. So instead of av- adding a tahini sauce to meat they might have added it to chickpeas but not necessarily to mashed ones or crushed ones so it may have looked like quite a different kind of dish but it may be one of the early combinations that starts to resemble hummus. We have three Arabic cookery manuals from the 13th and 14th centuries that show us that chickpeas and tahini were being combined in dishes in which the chickpeas were being crushed and mashed and mixed with tahini, uh, with lemon, but then with lots of other ingredients that we wouldn't recognise in hummus today. So when anything was written down in terms of cookbooks, it was about the luxury dishes. So those are the ones that we that we know about today. So we have one recipe for a dish called hummus kissa or kassa, depending on which text you look at. It has different names uh, in different texts. But that combines chickpeas with uh, tahini, with lemon, preserved lemon, and then with spices like um, coriander, cinnamon. It was garnished with 
with chickpeas as hummus might be today, but it was also garnished with things like pistachios and cinnamon and all kinds of um, additional ingredients. And it was also made much, much thicker. We know that the consistency was designed to be more like a kind of pate, very solid so that you could cut it and spread it onto bread. So it's quite different from the hummus that we eat today, but it certainly has some of the, the fundamental characteristics, having the crushed uh, chickpeas and the tahini and, and having that combination. So it sort of shows us a very beginning of hummus, I suppose. We think that the kind of hummus that we um, know and eat today emerged around about the 18th century in Damascus or Beirut, which were both cities in the Ottoman Empire at that time. It was a kind of sophisticated urban dish rather than being the kind of food that might have come from the countryside. It looked like something that would have been served at banquets in cities like Beirut or Damascus um, because it has this very elaborate way of being served, being whipped against the edges of this small red clay bowl so that all the hummus is kind of smoothed out around the sides, leaving a hollow into the middle into which you can drizzle olive oil. And, and it's still served like this today. This is how we, we see hummus served traditionally today. So this kind of hummus, we believe, came, came onto the stage in around the 18th century. We can look at um, writers like Claudia Rodin and Elizabeth David as well, who, um, of course, brought hummus to, to the first English language cookbook in the 1950s even. So certainly there was some introduction through food writing. I think there was also some introduction through um, perhaps people beginning to taste hummus in, say, Cypriot restaurants or Lebanese restaurants. Um, but I think really it didn't become um, popular on any major scale until it started to be made and produced and sold by supermarkets. So that's the late 80s or even the beginning of the 90s. Um, so I think what's really taken the West by storm is this, these pots of supermarket hummus that become more like a snack food, um, obviously are available in lots of different flavours um, and, yeah, have really taken on a different role from the one that they have back in the Levant. It's, it's a different kind of food. It's used as a different kind of food. For the book, I decided to include one sweet recipe as a nod to the full circle of hummus. In the recipes, I go from the medieval period through the classic hummus, uh, musabha, which is like a kind of warm, deconstructed hummus where lots of the chickpeas are left whole and the tahini is more like a kind of um, sauce for the chickpeas. So perhaps a bit more like the Lenten dish that we talked about before. And then I go to a, a flavoured hummus with some. Um, squash and nigella seeds and then to a sweet hummus just to kind of show the full circle so I experimented when I was creating that recipe and um, the one that I designed contains maple syrup and lemon zest and cashew butter and it, I really found it tasted like a vegan cheesecake at the end so I, I suggested putting it onto a kind of a, a sweet biscuit or something so you had a, a biscuit base and then topping it with raspberries or, or some kind of fruit but um, my testers are mostly two small children, so if it's sweet, they'll probably try it.
Harriet Nussbaum there and Hummus, a global history, is out now from Reaction Books.